Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Gons. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about becoming financially confident. Yeah, this is a, uh, it's an interesting concept and, and talking point of really making sure that, that you know why you're doing what you're doing and how to, how to become confident in the ultimate outcome. Yeah, knowing and, and being the confidence of what you're doing enables you to keep, you know, stay the path, if you will, stay the course, even when, you know, hills and bumps come in, come in. So we're going to talk about four steps to become financially confident. But before we get there, Alex, what are we drinking today? Uh, today, we are drinking Log Boom. It's a pale ale from one of my favorite breweries here in the Northwest. These are some of the folks that introduced me to craft beer, Mac and Jack's. So the alcohol content on this is 5.3 and an IBU of 30. Uh, as Alex said, it's a pale ale. Um, so a little bit, a little bit of a punch, but you know, the IBU is at 30. So it's not a smack uh, by any way, shape or form in the face. What are your thoughts on the taste, Alex? This is really good. It's uh I mean, it lives up to its nail uh, name. It uh, it's a pale ale. It's a very good pale ale. It also li- lives up to its nail as well, though. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> so, so let's let's jump into the topic here. So, we we were talking earlier before we recorded this, and we we're talking about how confidence allows you to do everything you want financially in life. Right? That confidence helps you get there. And so we're going to make a a statement here that is a little bit edgy, I guess. um, And we'll kind of back it up with with the steps to becoming financially confident. But the point that we're going to emphasize here is being financially confident is actually greater than rate of return. Yes. I was wondering to give them some feedback. Like, what what are we really meaning by that statement? I mean, ultimately, what we mean is we should expect the best prepare for the worst and capitalize on what comes. Yeah, that, um, those three sentences are huge, right? Like no one actually wants to think about the worst. We don't think it's actually going to happen. We, every one of us, I think is for the most part, pretty positive, right? So we, we our dreams, everything, we think it's going to happen but we don't prepare for the worst to allow life to occur so that it can still happen. And what I mean by that is no one likes talking about preparing for the worst, right? No one likes it. I don't like it. I don't think Alex likes it either. What we do like is we like talking about all of the stuff that we want to do, all of the stuff we want to do with our family, all of our goals, all of our dreams, and we want to capitalize on everything that we're working our tail off to get. Well, and as you stated earlier, Ryan, there's, there are bumps in the road. We don't know what the bumps are going to be. We don't know when they're going to pop up. However, we don't want that pothole to now completely derail our journey towards our goals, hopes, and dreams. So if we prepare for the worst and we're expecting the best deal to come out, which allows us to capitalize on everything that we've been doing, how much easier is it to actually get everything you want? 
So let's talk about four steps that we think are vital to get you on that path. And a, and lot, so of these, the, a lot of these steps we've spoken about in prior episodes. Mm -hmm. So definitely check out those episodes. We'll do a quick summary and really kind of explain like where this is all going. So Alex, go ahead and take it away. Sure. So the first is protect your income. The second is saving 20% of your income. The third is making sure that you have liquid access to assets and we'll get into specific amounts. Um, and then four is not having high interest rate or bad debt. And we'll, we'll get into a lot more detail on what, why, when, where, and how with that. And I don't think those four steps will shock anyone. However, the order in which we put them in, I think is the shocker. I think a lot of people will hear step number four is the primary goal and that's getting out of debt, right? Make sure your high interest rate debt is paid off. And it's not that we're against paying off high interest rate debt, right? But starting with step number one, protecting your income. The reason that that is number one is the income is the wheels on your car, right? If your wheels aren't on your car, are you going anywhere? No, you, without the income, you can't pay off high interest debt. You can't have any of those other hopes and dreams. Like you are scrambling to keep a roof over your head and keep your family fed without income. Right. So this is where we, Alex already said in the quote, right? Prepare for the worst. What threats to your income? And we're talking about worst threats to your income could absolutely annihilate everything you've been doing, right? This is where we talked about, you know, if you were to get sick or injured and couldn't go to work for a period of time, if you were to get sued, if you were to pass away prematurely or the breadwinner, maybe your spouse passes away prematurely, are your legal documents in order? Those are the worst threats to your income because not only do they attack your assets, they definitely attack your income because once your assets are gone, then what's going to refill the assets? Well, then you might have debt. Maybe, maybe you can't have debt because you don't have an income. So no one's going to give you debt, right? You can see how this goes. It's snowball effect real fast. So that's why we say protecting your income is the vital thing here. It's number one for that reason. Absolutely. Which takes us to number two, Collins. Step number two is saving 20% of your income. And for some people, like this sounds like a really big number. The rule of thumb that most folks have been given is save 10%. And as Americans, we have struggled to even accomplish that. Um, I came across a quote the other day, and I don't remember where it was attributable to, uh, but it said that 50% of Americans are saving zero or less, meaning that they're actually negatively saving. Uh, they are actively spending assets instead of saving. Um, and that is not including folks that are in retirement. Yeah, it, this is a number that we don't, you know, a lot of people probably heard that number as Alex said, and, and it's, it's higher than what most people have heard. We don't expect you to be there tomorrow, right? This is a number to get to hopefully sooner than later. And the reason it's 20% is 10% relies a lot upon market-based or rate of return on your assets. It's an over-reliance on rate of return. It's not that we're against rate of return. 
We just don't want to over rely on it to make or break us. Absolutely. We'll try and get every single bit of rate of return that we possibly can, as long as we're adhering to all of the other uh, rules that we're, we're creating here. However, at the same time, if our plan requires getting an 8% rate of return and we fall a little bit short and get seven, well, now our plan falls apart. Whereas if our plan is predicated on a lower rate of return and a higher savings rate, now if we get a higher rate of return, we're able to either surpass our goal, we're able to retire earlier, we're able to reach our goal earlier, we have built in some flexibility into our goal. The other component is if our income pie is 100% and we save 20%, well, then when we get to the end of our working years, we're only trying to replace 80% of our income. That is an easier lift than trying to replace 90% of our income. I want to take that one step further. What can you control? Rate of return or your savings rate? Absolutely. Right? Number three, right? having liquidity. What we mean by liquidity is having access to money that you can get in a relatively short period of time. Call it 24 to 48 hours. Without fees, without penalties, without opinion. And our definition or our time frame of liquidity is actually having 12 months of accessible funds available to you. I'm sorry, 12 months of your income accessible to you. So if you're making $100,000 a year, that doesn't mean all $100,000 needs to sit in a savings account. Right. But you need to have access to $100,000. Right. And that allows you like that, that liquidity, a lot of people are already in their head thinking, well, you, you know, we were just talking about rate of return. Well, what am I giving up in that rate of return? Well, what are you also gaining? What leverage are you gaining? Which most people, we had a whole episode about leveraging Right. Make sure you go and listen to that. Leverage we also, we also had a, an entire episode around the rate of return of cash and how having some cash sitting on the sidelines allows for greater rate of return on our other assets. It allows for greater leverage on our other assets. It also allows for opportunity. Like when 2008, the financial crisis occurred, there was a tremendous amount of opportunity if we had liquidity. And the, the risk profile that I think a lot of people have, um, you know, that imagine someone in their 30s, right? They're putting money into their 401k retirement account. They, are st- they tell us all the time, oh, I can have a high risk because I'm not retiring tomorrow. So I can take extra risk in that account. And that may be true, especially if you have funds outside of that 401k. And to take that one step further, if you're truly that risky with your money, let's just say let's let's just say you're okay with that level of risk or even higher risk. If you had hundred thousand dollars accessible to you, could you take advantage of an 08 and take on that extra risk? Right, like it's not all doom and gloom, as I was right. just pointing out. We also never know when the next big opportunity is going to come uh, come around. It might be, you know, the per- our coworker who, you know, breaks off and starts their own firm. 
and offers us the ability to jump in with them. Like, or, uh, you know, a once in a lifetime real estate deal pops up or whatever else occurs. You're right, Ryan. It's not doom and gloom, but we need to be properly allocated so that we have the resources to be able to take advantage of these opportunities when they occur. Which then takes us to number four, which we started this episode thinking that most of you are probably thinking this should be step number one, and we've made it step number four. Don't have high interest rate debt. And the, the, the first part of this is identifying where that high interest rate debt came from and how we, how we incurred it in the first place. Right, when, oftentimes, this is credit card debt, right? Credit card debt is double digits almost all the time, right? I've seen low at like 10%. I've also seen like 29%, right? And so making sure we have that debt taken care of it's okay to put money on your credit card. Get the points. Absolutely. Just pay it off every month. Right. Right. So, and the reason this is step number four, if we have income coming in the door, we have to protect it, right? We've already discussed that. We have to have some amount of savings to take advantage of opportunities as well as for the OCRAP scenario. And obviously that savings, some of it needs to be accessible for that OCRAP scenario or the opportunity and then taking care of the debt, right? And once you have the, that order, now you can really start to leverage your finances to take advantage of different opportunities and as well as making sure you're pre- prepared for that worst case, right? Imagine how confident you are if these four steps are taken care of. How much easier is life for you? Like right. finances become not a worry anymore. The worry becomes, I'm saving this much money. Where should I be putting it? Much different worry than much smaller worry. Exactly. Which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Our question today is what area are you currently working on to become financially confident? So head over to beerandmoney.net and at the bottom of the page there, you can answer that question. Or feel free to send any questions that you may have that you want us to talk about on the episode. As always, we hope this episode was valuable for you. And Alex, cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their friends are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711. Telephone 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian.
Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow AR Insurance License Number 15319412. CA Insurance License Number 0K24924. Alexander Collins AR Insurance License Number 7264699. CA Insurance License Number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2021-129747, expiration November 2023.